All right, so with that joy in our hearts, Brandy is our first speaker. All of y'all know Brandy, Pastor Aaron's wife. Woo! She's a daughter, a sister, and a mother of this house, and she's been married to Aaron for 22 years. She has three awesome kids, and I didn't know this, but she has a degree in psychology from New, New Paltz University. It means something. You, went to, you did it. You got a degree. You got a piece of paper. You can put it in a frame, something on the wall. From New York, uh, she's a runner and a huge lover of beats. And, of course, people. All right, Brandy, everyone. Thank you. I actually thought I was second, so that was, that's fine, though. I'd rather get it over with. And I'm not going to talk about beats today, though I still love them, and I've converted no one in my family to my love for beats, sadly. That, is, that video is really funny. It is amazing that men and women even stay together because we really do speak different languages. Um, today, I want to talk about the mercy and forgiveness of God in us and through us. Um, the mercy of God is the foundation of our faith. It's the Lord's love, mercy, and forgiveness um, that draws us to him. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Um, I want to start first. B, uh, BJ, will you put that picture up? So that's me. That's probably about 1980, 1981. And um, that was the day of my Aunt Dory's wedding. And just for just so you know, know me a little better. So my mom is the oldest of five sisters. So there's Donna, Donna, Debbie, Diane, Dory, Denise. And this is my Aunt Dory's wedding. She was marrying my Uncle Chuck, my Uncle Chunky Bar, as we call him. And um, so you know all the details that go into a wedding. You know, I mean, everything from it. Everything that everyone's wearing, and as you can see, I have, actually, you can't really tell in the picture, but I have these sandals on, and I loved those sandals, but those were not the shoes I was supposed to wear. When I was presented with the shoes that I was supposed to wear, I told my mom, I'm not wearing those blankety-blankety shoes. So <laughs> this is the same girl that, um, on the way back from uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, uh, my mom gave me a piece of gum in the back seat. And at some point, she turned around and noticed I didn't have the gum anymore. And she turned around and said, Brandy, where did your gum go? I put it in your hair. I didn't want it anymore. <laughs> so these are just funny examples of um, a little girl's behavior um, that was kind of stuck in the cycle of shame and anger and just acting out and... Um, I will say, I didn't have a bad childhood. I'm not setting it up for that. Just, I didn't care about consequences. And um, it led later into a girl in high school and a girl in college who was stuck in that same cycle of shame and anger and acting out. And um, when you're stuck in shame, it's really easy to hurt other people and not really care about consequences. <clears throat> and when I was about eight years old, um, so we lived in a, a duplex. My family lived in a duplex. And my aunt and uncle, my Aunt Debbie, who's the second oldest, lived above us with her family. And um, she always talked to me about Jesus. And I remember listening to my cousin's Salty Records. And um, when I was about eight, their oldest daughter, Marnie, slept over my house. And she told me about the love of Jesus and um, how I needed 
him to be Lord of my life and that he could forgive my sins. And I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew I needed forgiveness, so I uh, accepted the Lord into my life. Um, but that was, that was kind of it. I mean, I knew that he loved me, and uh, seeds were planted in years after that. Um, but I didn't grow much. I knew his love, but I didn't know, didn't really know his mercy. I didn't really know his forgiveness. But like I said, seeds, seeds were planted throughout the years. And um, so my Aunt Debbie's youngest daughter, Mindy, and I were really close friends. So I spent a lot of time with their family. And I remember um, she would play, she would play a lot, my Aunt Debbie would play a lot of tapes in the car. But two that I remember, one was Rich Mullins and one was Lamb. I ended up getting my own Rich Mullins tape. And <laughs> it's funny, I, I was listening to that, it was, it's the, if I Stand album, I think it's called. And to this day, so I wore my tape out so much that to this day when I play, there's two songs, because, you know, side A and side B, where the tape was warped, and I could still hear, like I expect, and like hear the wobble in the song, because I wore it out so much. <laughs> um, the, the second was Lamb. And if you're not familiar with Lamb, a lot of uh, their music is Old Testament Bible. And I just remember hearing in the songs, what I loved so much was um, just hearing the Lord's heart for Israel and how he raised them up, and then they would reject him, and he would just love them. I just could hear the Lord's love for Israel in these songs, and it just resonated with me so much because even though, like I said, I knew the love of God, um, I was rejecting him, and I was rejecting his forgiveness and his mercy in my life. Um, so, like I said, in high school and college, I just made really bad decisions. Uh, I had really low self-value, low self-esteem, and just continually made choices that were not good. Um, I knew God loved me. I didn't understand his forgiveness, and there was a lot of shame. Um, so this will be super, super condensed, but eventually... Through all those seeds and um, just an encounter with God, I did eventually come to know his mercy in my life, and it really changed the trajectory of my life. It was like a 180. Um, I learned that God was not like people, um, where if you're, if you're good, then they're good to you, and if they're bad, they're not, you know, they're bad to you. I, I understood what it really meant that, um, like it says in Micah, that God delights in showing mercy. And I just love that verse because I think about, you know, what I delight in. We love, you know, Aaron and I delight. We love spending time with our family. So we think about ways and things that we could do together. And we just delight in it. That God delights in showing mercy. That he's like, you know, maybe set up scenarios in his mind where he can pour out his mercy to us. Um, and so God really got a hold of me. And I, I really understood that. And obviously, that's a journey. I, you understand it more and more. But... Um, uh, recently, Aaron and I went to a pastor's conference, and um, it, was, it was amazing. It was through J Jesus' image, and there were about 3,000 pastors and leaders there. Just a side note. So I, I told the youth this, but Jeremy Riddle was there. And so there's about 3,000 people, and we turn around, and Jeremy Riddle's right behind us, and he's taking notes, totally engaged in what's going on, like learning, like I mean, it seems as though he's, he's engaged in what's going on and really um, honing into what the speaker's saying and 
just seemed like a humble guy. And then he spoke, and you could just really feel his humility. Like, if humility could be dripping off of somebody, we would have been drowning in it. Like, what an amazing man. And so it just makes me appreciate his, his worship music so much more because you know the heart that it comes from. Um, anyway, so the other, another person that was there was Francis Chan. And he was telling this story about um, when his kids were younger and they were going to school and grades were super important to their family. Um, so one day, his, one of his daughters came home and she had a not so good report in one of her classes. And so she was scared to tell him. And she told him, and what he said was, get your shoes on, we're going out to eat, we're going for ice cream, and we're going for a movie. And so they did, and he said nothing about her grades, and the next day she goes to school, and one of her friends is like, ooh, you know, what'd your dad say? I bet you're in big trouble, like you're not going out for a while. And she told, she told her friend, yeah, he told me to get my shoes on, we're going out for ice cream, we're going out to dinner, we're going to a movie. And the, her friend said to her, man, I wish I had your dad. And when he said that, he, his example was for uh, something different. But what I heard was, like what I felt was, are people saying that about my life? Man, I wish I had your dad. I wish I had your father in heaven. Am I showing them mercy um, and grace in this way? Um, am I extending mercy to those around me? Um, when we understand the mercy of God that God has shown us, it's so much easier for us to extend mercy towards others. And when we see that we're not getting what we deserve, it's easier and we're more readily to give up the right to place judgment on others. Um, someone came to me recently who's struggling with walking through forgiveness in a situation. And we were just talking through that and uh, talking through how it is a process, and we, we kind of want the one-and-done thing, like, you know, when we were a kid and someone hits us, and it's, I forgive, you know, I'm sorry, I forgive you, or, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic. It's really easy. Um, but some forgiveness is just deeper and harder to walk through. Uh, Tim Keller said, you can't forgive someone without absorbing the cost. Either that person pays for it, or you do. On the cross, God didn't just forgive us. He paid the cost himself. Um, when offense occurs, it's because we feel someone took something from us, our happiness, relationship, opportunity, possessions. We want the offender to offend. We don't delight in mercy like God does. We want justice. We want someone to pay, and we don't want it to be us. Um, mercy says, I give up my right to make you pay. And that's why it's hard to forgive. That's why it's hard to extend mercy, because we don't want to pay. It costs us something. It hurts. And it's not a one and done. It's a process of walking through. And that's why it's hard. But it's always rewarded. And the opposite of that is something you don't want. It's bitterness. And the Bible says that that rots the bones. And you will not produce fruit in the kingdom if you let bitterness take hold in your heart. Any attempts in the kingdom will be wonky because you just don't have the fruit of the Spirit. When we agree with mercy, it's the most tra transformative to the human heart. We become like Jesus. It unlocks us to be able to, one, to love one another properly. Um, <clears throat> I always feel funny with transitions. Aaron told me, I was telling him that. I'm like, do you have trouble when you teach with transitions? He said, yeah, just do like Mike Bickleton. Be like, paragraph B. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, paragraph B. <laughs> so am I agreeing with God's mercy and how I speak to and about others? Um, Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I wrote something wrong. Yeah, thanks. Oh, no, no, I didn't. Any, it's just a different version. I'm, any that, any they that love, no, that doesn't make sense. Anyone that, that loves it shall eat the fruit of it. There you go. I know it anyway. <laughs> um, then there's in James where it talks about um, the power of the tongue and uh, how even us, it compares that to how even a small spark can light a whole forest on fire. And I, I think I shared it with some of you in here before, but I have this mug, and it's um, Smokey the Bear, and it says, even only you can prevent forest fires. And I like using that in the morning because it just reminds me of this verse and reminds me to guard my tongue. <laughs> just that morning cup of coffee. Um, so our thought life is our, our primary battleground. Um, we accuse ourselves in our mind. We accuse others in our mind. And then there's Satan who, who accuses us. Um, Rachel, did you text me? <laughs> Revelation 12.10 says, then, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. The part that stood out, I mean, it all stands out to me, but the word of their testimony, what are we speaking over ourselves? What are we speaking over others? Are we helping others to overcome by the word of our testimony about others? Are we speaking um, not just in private but to them about who they are in God? Um, not just, you know, not just what they look like or whatever, but who they are in the Lord. Um, another example from the pastor's conference, there was another pastor there. I don't remember his name. I just, uh, Pastor Chris. Um, he was talking about um, the situation with someone he was, I think it was a family member who was in a lot of trouble and they were um, having suicidal thoughts and and kind of going down that road. And he was scared for them, and he kept speaking, you know, if they continue down this path, they're going to end up like all these other people. They're going to end up like all these other people. If he keeps doing this, they're going to end up like all these other people. And his wife said to him one day, why are you agreeing with the, the dialogue of the enemy? And that, that really got me. I just thought, it's so easy for us to just see what's before us and agree with that dialogue instead of something higher. Are we agreeing with what the Lord is saying, what the, what the kingdom of God is saying? So he changed it. He started speaking life over him and not this, not suicide. Um, so, yeah, it, it reminds me of um, Peter where, you know, Satan, where Jesus is talking to Peter and says, you know, Satan said that he wants to sift you like wheat. 
and I'm praying for you, but God's, God's thinking, I already called him the rock. So, um, I love in Romans 11 where there's just the boast about God's mercy. And then in the end it says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. I just love that his ways are higher than our ways. And I, I believe that um, we just need to be working this muscle, practicing mercy with one another and grace with one another because it's, there's so many opportunities for offense and it will not get easier. And we just need to work that muscle of mercy so that we do not become offended with God as times get tougher. Um, amen. Great job. She was supposed to go second, so sorry, Sharon. <laughs> I had it in my phone different. Please open phone. All right. So I invited Sharon, one of our Indian students, to share with us because she's just been faithful here for over almost two years. Two years, and she's, like, smiley and beautiful, and just, you can just feel the, the sense of the Lord on her, and I just love that the community is coming and being a part of us and bringing their culture and their brand and, and just bringing their heart of the Lord from, you know, 8,000 miles away into us. Um, and, you know, at one point, Melissa, she's not here today, Melissa Abbott had a dream in which God whistled and all these international students and this multicultural crowd joined us here. And so I had a dream about the same time of God whistling, just woke up to a whistle, and when I looked it up, it is, there's two verses where God whistles, and it's bringing in the people, so we just feel like you guys answered God's whistle. Amen. So, Sharon, Sharon's name is Sharon Rose Bandagula, all right, I'm working on this, she's 25, she was born in Bibipet, um, Telaganga, am I, am I close, Telagano? All right, I'm getting there. <laughs> and her parents have been pastors for 24 years, so they have clearly raised her in the ways of the Lord. When I sent her a text, give me your bio, I said brag on yourself. Because I know she's here at Florida Tech, which is a brag on yourself kind of university. So, right, John? John will tell that. Yes. <laughs> she has a passion for aerospace engineering and has earned a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from... Um, Karunya, Karunya Institute of Technology and Science. She has a Master's of Science in Space Engineering from the Politecna de Milano in Italy. And she is currently enrolled in Florida Tech's PhD program where she engages in research and pushes the boundaries of knowledge in this sphere. So, wow. And, you know, she's kind of in the right place. So, come on up, Sharon. We welcome you this morning. Thank you so much, Rachel. <laughs> so I'm not fond of speaking in front of crowd, actually. But I'm sure like God is going to equip me with the wisdom that is required. So I'm not worthy enough to stand here and speak to you all. But his blood and grace made me worthy enough. And I can't resist myself sharing the goodness of God and how good he is to me in my life and to my family. So... So I was born in a small village uh, named Bibipet in Telangana, which is in the southern part of India. So 
coming to my parents, as Rachel has already told, my parents were pastors and they're, all, they're, they're also ministering in the same place for 24 years. Uh, my mom was born as a Hindu in a higher caste. So if you all know that Hindu is a major religion in India. So she was born, in, born as a Hindu in a higher caste family. She got to know Christ from one of her, one of her friends in school. So when she got to know Christ, uh, she actually loved Jesus from the day she heard about him. But she, she was never been vocal about it in her family because she knows that they're going to abandon her or they're going to ask her to get out of the house because she belongs to that uh, of a higher caste. So no one is going to accept her after that. But through time, in a few years of time, she's been vocal about it. And as she expected, they asked uh, my mother's parents and relatives and everyone over there asked her to get out of the house. And she left everything and she moved uh, to the, some other village nearby. And she lived all by herself. And, but God has been faithful enough to provide the basic shelter and food. And even through that hard phase, uh, she, she never g gave up on God. And I always used to think when my mom used to say like, uh, or, or like when I, when I see uh, the footprints of Jesus in my family, I always used to think, is it that worthy that my parents uh, left all of their religion, caste and their relatives, family for the Christ? So every time I think about it, uh, I used to like ask this question to myself and God. Are you so worthy that my parents had to do this? Because uh, I was grown up without relatives or without, uh, we were never rich. So God used to provide enough at the right time. So even if I go to schooling, like if I see my friends over there eating a fruit, I used to ask like, God, I want the same fruit today. And God used to provide that amazingly, but I never uh, encountered the love of God or witnessed the God until uh, my bachelor's degree. So God has been nothing but faithful. And today in the same place where my mom has been abandoned and left out from the family, in the same place, God has called my parents to do the ministry. And he has given us more than 200 people as a family of Christ. So they are, yeah, <laughs> praise God. So they are the brothers and sisters and parents and children in Christ that God has given us. And in the same place, in, before the same people, so God has always lifted our heads high in the same place that um, enemy tried to put us down. So all uh, my mom's side relatives wished her dead. Uh, they, all, they all wanted us to like ruin. Uh, they, all, they never wanted us to prosper, but God saw another dimension in us. God saw something that people couldn't see. As we see in the Bible, when David was growing up, all his brothers and his father saw him as a shepherd, but God saw him as a king. So God sees something that people won't see in our lives. So it happened in our family. And coming to my life, like as I'm growing up, uh, we never had enough resources uh, to educate uh, me because my parents started from zero and we never had money, we only have Jesus and that is more than enough. So God opened amazing doors. Uh, family from United States has sponsored me, hold my education until my schooling. So after that, coming to my bachelor's even, God opened amazing doors for the scholarships and everything that I never had to pay a penny for my education. So, Yes, so when I was in seventh standard, around uh, 12 uh, years or 14 years old, I had this wish. I read it in a newspaper about aerospace engineering, and I always wanted to pursue higher studies or get a 
major in aerospace engineering. But I know like from my village or from, from my families, like no one has ever studied uh, so high. Like they always like get uh, younger kids, like if they're daughters, like they'll get them married. So, but I always had this wish, but I never thought that God is gonna make that dream come true. And like when I was in, from that day, I used to pray about my pray, pray about the doors that needs to be opened for my higher education. So when I was in uh, bachelor's, after my bachelor's, all my friends started getting job, uh, and I also wanted to work for some time because that's how I can pay my tuition and living expenses abroad, and that's the only way I can do because we never had any positions to get any education loan or any other kinds of loan for my education. So when I prayed so hard, uh, all my friends started getting job, but not me. I cried so hard. I cried for over a month. I still did not see any result. Uh, all my friends were like, they, they don't need it. They might not need the job that time because their parents were enough wealthy or they, they have everything uh, that they might not need the job, but I started complaining to God, like I prayed uh, about this job or about this needs from really when, when I was a kid and till today I'm praying about it, why don't you open the doors for me? And why all the doors seem like shut? And why are you moving so slowly in my life that I see like you're not moving at all? Then when I started praying about it, uh, God spoke to me from Mark chapter five, uh, from verses 21, where Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. So there is a person named Zarius. He's a synagogue leader and he approaches Jesus and he fell at his feet and he pleads uh, earnestly with him, saying that my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So we see here that synagogue leader, uh, Zarius comes to Jesus and he asks like, you know, my daughter is gonna die and I need your help. And the moment Zarius pleads or requests Jesus, Jesus did not stop. Uh, Jesus did not uh, say that I'll be coming later, but he suddenly like started to go uh, to that place where he needs healing. But then we see the interruption of God's uh, walking. So we see the large crowd followed and pressed around him and a woman who is uh, suffering with a blood issue uh, from 12 years, like comes to Jesus and then she gets uh, healing and then still Jesus is speaking to the crowd. If we can see in, uh, if we can see Mark chapter five, in Mark chapter five and verse 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from house of Zarius, the synagogue leader. They say, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. So this is a verse that God spoke to me and I was started questioning, okay, I'm not gonna be afraid. But if I just look at the Zarius situation, he needed Jesus, uh, he was in a desperate situation. He needed Jesus very quick because his daughter is about to die. But on the way that Jesus is able, like on the way uh, Jesus is going to his daughter, he's been interrupted with the crowd and the, another miracle and so on. But when Jesus is still speaking and others from the Zarius house, they come and they say that your daughter is dead. If I am as Arius in that position, I wouldn't have been waited patiently. God, I came to you early. I was not there with my daughter when she's gonna about to die. I trusted you, but still you did not move. You waited until my daughter is dead and why are you not moving anywhere? But Zarius was so patient and overheard that God said, do not 
uh, be afraid, just believe. So when I think about this, um, it, it is something that happened in my life too. Like I was not being patient. I was getting envied by seeing how God is working in my friend's life. But I did not understand the fact that if God is working in their life, he is almost on the way to reach to my situation. He's just, he's just on his way. He started when I prayed about it, but he's on his way to come near me. And also, I'm not only gonna get the miracle, but I'm gonna see the resurrection in the situation. So when I, when I thought about it, it was so amazing, but I didn't know it's, how it's gonna happen and how God is gonna figure all that out for me. Then uh, I applied to one of the top universities in the world, which is Politecnico di Milano. It's one of the top seventh in the world for aerospace engineering. So I just applied. Uh, I didn't have any um, uh, trust or faith that I gonna, I'm going to get the admission, but I just applied. I did not apply to any other university. So when I applied, I got the admission, not just the admission. They sent me a scholarship letter saying that they're going to cover my tuition, living expenses, my food. <laughs> also. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> also, uh, they're going to pay me monthly stipend for nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, God opened amazing doors. So when I just think about Zarius, sometimes we might see the situations are going to die. Why, God, why are you moving so slowly? Why are, like, we can witness, like, God is working in everyone's life, ex everyone's life except us. So we might think God is not going to work in our lives or, uh, but he's on his way. So he's going to reach to us and he is going to, like, as Zarius has witnessed resurrection in his daughter's life, if God would have been on time, he would have just got the miracle, but not the resurrection. So if God is waiting, God is making us wait, he is going to develop the faith in our life uh, through our fellow believers or our fellow friends' uh, life, life's miracles. So if he's developing that faith, I'm sure he's going to bring resurrection in the situations that we, that we might see as they're dead and we might, see as they're, we might see as they're not fixable or people might come on our way and say that it is dead or it is not going to, no, no one is going to help you in this situation, but God is, to, God is telling us today and reminding us, don't be afraid, just believe. That was awesome. I, I love that line about if, you know, if God, Jesus had gone right away, he would have healed the sick, but instead he raised someone from the dead. So maybe <laughs> your situation is just sick and God's going to let it die and then he might raise it from the dead. <laughs> so our dear sweet Lori, yeah, you can use Fed. <laughs> He's going to be your, her escort, her armor bearer. All right, everybody knows Lori. Woo! I met Lori about 35 years ago, 36 years ago. She and Robert were helping Tony with youth church, and I had just met Tony. Um, and Lori has, we all know, is a lover of Jesus and a lover of people. Spirit-filled for like 40 years now. She's been married to Robert for 38 years. Woohoo! Three wonderful children. One beautiful grandbaby that is a true bundle of joy. I hear that from her other grandparents. Um, she is rich in serving and in ministry, and she is our resident hugger. Yeah. You need a hug? Uh, we might need some hug disciples because, you know, one person can only do so much. So we need hug disciples. 
And I, I, she truly wants people to know they are loved, which is 100% true of Lori. I've watched Lori over the years, and I attest to her desire to please and love the Lord and to minister to his people. So please welcome Lori McCown. All right. I told Rachel getting up here was my concern, not about being up here. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I did. I, I'm here. So um, my subject, one of my favorites, is the power of joy. Um, I had this confirmed at home group on Wednesday, um, and I just, I just felt like God had just placed this so strongly in my heart. And um, even the worship set this morning, I, I just feel like it was a divine setup for this moment. And so I'm going to start with John 15, 9, 11. Um, that scripture reads, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I live continually nourished and empowered by love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that joy, the joy that I experience, will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Acts 2, a day that changed everything, um, speaks of receiving that power when the Holy Ghost comes upon us. Um, in the Trinity, we see such a clear example of Jesus being empowered, empowered try it again, empowered <laughs> by the Father's love. The result he, was he experienced joy. He lived in joy always. He experienced unparalleled, unshakable joy in the Father's love. Joy sustained Jesus, our Lord, at the cross in Hebrews 12, 2. Joy existed in the divine during the foundation that's Proverbs 8, 30, and 31. It says, I was already there dancing. Wisdom was in unity with Jesus, creating the earth, the fields, and even the first atom of dust. I was already there. I was already there. And I just thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for the fact that daily, filled with delight, playfully rejoicing in him, you laughed and played during the creation of the world, happy with what you had made and finding your delight in the children of men. This still stands as who our Jesus is. This is his identity even now. Um, Hebrews 1.9 clearly declares um, that the scripture in Psalm 45.7 was speaking of Jesus it says, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. For this reason, God, your God, has anointed you and has poured out the oil of bliss on you. In the Passion Translation, the oil of bliss is exact translation of that scripture that in Psalm 45 is speaking of the oil of gladness or the oil of rejoicing. That oil of bliss, again, is our Jesus. When we are personally fulfilled and consumed in experiencing Jesus' love, it flows from us. And we become 
anointed with the oil of joy, just as our example, Jesus, is. When that happens, we see value in every person. Every person we encounter, we look for ways to encourage them and empower them. When we are healed from the fear-driven self-preservation, we have the ability to represent our Jesus in this. In this, We have the honor. Isaiah 61, which I'm going to um, try to bust over there real quick. Um, you guys probably all know this pretty well. It's, it's a, a common one. But the Lord just gave me such fun revelation on it. Again, the mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped all around me. Yahweh has anointed me. We know that's his oil. We know that's his presence, the Holy Spirit himself pouring out, pouring out. And then it just goes through the assignment. Good news, sent to heal the wounds, telling the captives you are free, telling the prisoners be free from the darkness. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace, which is empowerment, a time of God's recompense on his enemies, comforting those who are in sorrow, strengthening those crushed by despair who mourn in Zion, giving them a beautiful bouquet instead of ashes. And here it is, the oil of bliss. The oil of bliss instead of tears and a mantle of joyous praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Because of this, they will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness planted by Yahweh as a living display of his glory. We are carriers of his glory. We are partakers of his divine nature. And those that know me know that there is going to be a way that I made this scripture work. Second Peter 1.3, his divine power has already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called you according to his glory and goodness. And I know this because he is giving me these exceedingly great and promises that through these promises, I become a partaker of the divine nature and I escape the corruption that's in this world through sin. I just thank you, Lord God, for that. I thank you, Lord God, for the escape pod that is present in our Lord Jesus Christ. God's love is poured into our hearts according to Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit is the one. He's always the one in charge of the pouring. He is the anointing of God, and he pours readily into our hearts. But what does it say in that scripture, which goes back to the first one that I mentioned, John 15. You probably all were wondering, why is she talking about the love of God when her subject is the joy of God? God's love is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Joy will be present when that love is poured out. That love anointing, that love anointing becomes joy when it hits our hearts. You will receive power from this anointed love. He's promised that. He's promised that in his word, that you will receive power. Song of Songs, which is also the backbone of my, my heart relationship with the Lord, in 1.3 says, your lovely name is flowing oil. That's our Jesus. That's who he is. That's his name. His lovely name is flowing oil. 
I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for being that and more to us. Um, a couple years ago, Heidi Baker, um, on the back side of COVID, when everybody was finally coming out and being released, came to the United States with a story, um, the atrocities that they were enduring in Mozambique. If those that don't know who she is, look her up. She exudes the love of God. She represents Jesus better than any person that I, that I know of. Um, anyway, her story, um, terrorist going out, persecuting, 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 pillaging. Um, I'm going to try to sensitize this for our younger crowd, but there was atrocities in this process, um, families being destroyed in the most heinous of ways. Um, and out of that, people were escaping. Sometimes they'd come back with these stories. We don't even know where our kids were. We just said, run. We just said, run. Um, but they also saw family members being persecuted. Um, and, and they'd come into Heidi's um, camp, and, and their stories would be told as they're sitting there in all of that brokenness with all of that sorrow, and then joy would erupt. And when I first heard it, I was like, no way. How does that happen? How does that happen? But joy overwhelmed these people because they chose to go up to a higher level of relationship with Christ where joy always exists, even in the midst of all of that. And Heidi even struggled at first. She's like, I don't understand how you can be laughing because the joy was actually um, manifesting in riotous laughter to a point where they were falling out of their chairs, just the, that gut, gut laughter. Um, and Heidi's like, God, I don't get this at all. And so God was giving her understanding that that level of joy can only be rele released through suffering. It can only come from those places and overflow from that place um, of the tragedies that they'd endured. But it, it marked these men with more power. They became invincibly powerful in the things of God's kingdom. The, the people that survived these atrocities were marked for life and joy became the calling card for them to go back out and minister. Luke 10, 21 says, Then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy, exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, and you have shared it with these who humbled themselves. Yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart and the very way you've chosen to extend your kingdom, to give to those who become like trusting children. Are we those kids? Do you want to be trusting children? Galatians 5, talking about the fruits of the Spirit, um, we've always understood there, that to be a list you know, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Most of us uh, probably have that memorized. But um, newer revelation on that is 
you know, and coming back really to the essence of who God is, the fruit of the Spirit um, in uh, Greek diction is actually singular. It's one fruit, and that is love. And then the, the manifestations of love is joy, peace, patience, kindness. But love is the fruit. Love is the fruit. And then, go, you know, going back again to that first scripture that I read to you, th- that it all, it all stems from, yes, it all stems from loving and letting the Father love you and through you then as you're being nourished by his love, those other, those other manifestations happen. Joy is right there. And um, Jesus then, overflowing with the Holy Spirit, exclaimed, Father, thank you. <laughs> I love that. I love that, that he was thanking the Father for his love, thanking the Father for that manifestation of joy. And that um, it clearly says that Jesus was set as a man of joy above all of his brothers and and that there's there's no place um, there's no place where that joy is not present in Jesus's life um, so I, I just want I want to pray that we become like trusting children right now I want to pray that we are absolutely convinced that that power resides within us that it's inside of you, and that your oil of joy that comes from him will flow freely out of you, and that you will be one of the shiny ones, an instrument of love on the earth, that we would all find that place, because Jesus exemplifies it, and in every way, according to, I believe it's um, John 3 ish sorry I didn't write it down where it says as he is so are we in this world maybe third John that's what I'm going for first you guys nailed it your first job where first John where all right that's your assignment for next week anyway as he is so are we in this world that means that we are already filled with that joy. Isaiah 61, you can customize that as your very own scripture and say the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has given you permission to own that scripture as your very own. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me with that oil of joy to revolutionize your world, to change your world with the love of God poured out through the power of joy. So if everybody that I have entrusted with bags will be brave enough to rip those open, yeah. My husband said, are you going to be like Carl Hatch? I said, no hula hoops. Carl was famous for his hula hoop prop. But um, I, I, I do feel like this was God-ordained again where, through a word of prophecy. Pamela said, I see you having one of those party blowers. And I did, uh, um, I was sensitive to the fact that I made sure they didn't make noise. (laughs) I thought that would be chaos. But um, if everybody would just get those passed out real quick um, and and, um, just realize that 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 is exemplifying joy. 
it's exemplifying joy in your life and that, that that's, that's what it's about is that you, you, can, you can have um, his joy right now. And so I'm going to turn it back over to Rachel. Thank you. That was so good. So good. So good.